probably the biggest decisions I believe in our life is going to be our relationships that we choose. Number one, our relationship with Christ. Do we choose to be a follower of Christ, to accept Christ into our life and truly follow Him? And then every other relationship is going to affect our daily life. It'll affect our future. Now, I do realize some of those relationships we don't get to choose. You did not always get to choose your parents, did you? You know, some of us have been born into our parents. Some of us are adopted. So I know there are some relationships that were out of our control, but most of the relationships we do get to choose. And I just want to, as we're talking about this today, some of these topics are going to be a little hard for you guys to hear or listen to, but I believe a sign of spiritual maturity is that you're able to take and receive and do with that spotlight when God shines a light on something you need to work in in your life. And you say, thank you, God, I'm going to work on that. Instead of getting offended and saying, I got that under control. Because as soon as you say you got something under control, get ready. Because it's about to break loose. Things are getting ready to happen. God's going to say, okay, we'll see how that's going to go down. So welcome God shining a light on something today that you may need to work on. Just bow your head real quick and let's just pray. Father, I just thank you today for the privilege to come and to deliver the word for this day and for this season. Father, I thank you that you've anointed my mouth to speak, my heart to speak, the words that you would have me say today. I thank you that the ears today are anointed to hear the word to come forth and that today they will choose to say, I will work on the things that I need to work on. I will get right the relationships in my life that I need to get right. And so, Father, I just thank you and I praise you for what you're doing in this place, for the testimonies that are coming out of this place. And we thank you that lives are not only changing and growing, but other souls are coming to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. All right. The first one that we really need to focus on is nurture my important relationships. Those take work. How many of you are married in here or been married? Yeah, yeah. Is marriage a little bit of work? Or or have you just kind of like, huh, let's go. I'm married and everything's fine. We get along every day, 24-7. Y'all know that's not true. (laughs) We he chooses us to believe that, but we'll work on that later. So the scripture is, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all things, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. We're working on relationships all the time. Marriage is one that kind of, you know, a lot of us have experienced in here. Not everybody, but it's probably the main theme through here. Or if you haven't, you're going to be, so listen up today, because you're going to maybe encounter this not too far off. You know, the saying goes, and it's a trap, sometimes when we're tempted to not want to work on our relationship, some things start happening. We start looking in other people's yards. And we think, oh, the grass is greener over there. I think I need to try that out. We can do that in friendships, too. We can have a really good friendship. Somebody that's really adding value to our life, but somebody else looks more fun. You know, somebody else looks more, they have more money. They can do more for us. And we're like, oh, I think I'll jump over in that yard. Well, when we think the grass is greener on the other side, really the only thing that happens is your water bill is higher on the other side. 
So why don't you just choose to water your own yard? Start working on your relationship that you're in. And marriage takes constant work. That's one, And it's the example that the Bible gives us for our relationship with Christ. It likens it to marriage. Some of you say, well, we've been married so long, there is just no fire left in our relationship. Anybody been there? I think if you've been married a long time, you have seasons of this going on. And sometimes it's just a lack of knowledge. Sometimes it's a lack of building that fire. Do you just go fire? B. No, what do you have to do? You go gather logs. You have to put some stuff underneath it, whatever that's called, to get it going. You have to get a match or something to light it with. I was watching Survivor, and part of their thing is building fire, and they got to do it with that flint. Is that what it is? And they're trying to build that fire. It took a lot of work. I was just shocked. It was a competition they had. Fire takes a lot of work. So if the fire's dying in your relationship or in your marriage, work on building that fire. Have a date night. One thing Mark's mom gave us when we first got married, married, she gifted us a date night, Friday nights. So I encourage you, everybody doesn't get that gift in their life, but if you need to give up coffee for a month to pay a babysitter, you go get a babysitter and have a date night if it's two hours with your spouse, spend time. We had to challenge in the Philippines when we were there, the pastors, they don't show affection to each other. They don't really interact with each other like we do here in America. So we encourage them to start taking their uh, spouses on dates, even just to walk. It doesn't have to cost any money. A date does not have to be expensive. They looked at us like we had asked them to go murder somebody. (laughs) I'm not kidding. They were just like, you want us to do what? And they were supposed to report back to us. We haven't really heard from them about that. So we got to go back. We apparently need to do some more teaching on that. Um. Water your own yard. Work on your own relationships. Nurture those relationships in your life that are important and are valuable. Don't spend time on nurturing something that's not a valuable relationship to you. And your mate is the most important relationship you need to nurture. Amen. Um, We have an epidemic of choosing sides, and therefore it makes it hard for us to love unconditionally to love powerfully because we want to choose sides and we do that in marriage. And that brings us to restore my broken relationships. That's number two. If you're taking notes, and I encourage you to take notes. You know, we need we learn better if we hear, write, see, use all of our senses. So I encourage you, even if it's in your phone, try to write these down. Restore my broken relationships. <clears throat> Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now, does anybody in here know of a place where um, it says in the Word, there's something you can do that God won't forgive? Hmm? Anybody? Okay. That's the only one. That's against Him. Blaspheming the Holy Ghost. And that's a line that Christians have debated for a lot of years Where's that line? We don't get to judge that. We don't get to make that. That's God gets to know if you've crossed that line or not. And believe you, I believe you are going to know if you've crossed that line. And I think it's a really, really far, I think it's going to take a whole lot. But I'm not here to judge that situation. But other than that, there is nothing that the Lord won't forgive. 
Now, if we can really take that principle and work on forgiving whatever is done to us. That's an inclusive word. It's a whole, it's a big one, whatever. And we, this is another area, we, ch- we kind of want to choose sides. Healing broken relationships will bring you peace. Um, I do realize not everybody wants to restore a relationship with you. You may have tried to restore a relationship, and the other party's not willing to play. They're like, I don't want to restore this relationship with you. But you know what? You can only control you. And you can restore your side of it by forgiving. If you need to ask for forgiveness, you can do that and choose to walk in peace with that person. I had a situation with a, uh, a gentleman that I grew up with. Uh, we've known, I think I was at first grade when I met his family. His dad actually married Mark and I. So that's how far back we go. And then they've been involved in our life. Um, of course, this goes back quite a few years ago. He, um, we kind of lost contact, but his mom and my mom remained friends throughout the years. Well, Facebook hooked us back up. And I'll try to make this as short as I can. But it's kind of, it's powerful, and I want you to see what God can do. <clears throat> we hooked back up on Facebook, and I had heard that he was choosing and had decided to live in a homosexual lifestyle, and he lived in California, in L.A., So we were kind of on Facebook, and I eventually had to block him because of some of the stuff he posted, but I still was friends with him, but he didn't know I'd blocked him. So about two years ago, his mom was getting ready to have her 80th birthday. She still lives in Oklahoma, so he contacted my mom and my sister and I to help him plan this surprise party for his mom. So we did, and we were texting back and forth, you know, just cutting up, carrying on like old times, and it was right around election time for the president. And I didn't post a whole lot because I'm kind of one of those, I don't want to go there. I don't want to get in those conversations. I might post something occasionally, but I was not posting a ton of stuff about the election. Well, my sister did, and it totally offended him. And about a week before the party that he was going to fly in for, um, we both got really nasty texts about how dare we vote for Trump, Sand behind Trump. He didn't even know who he voted for. How dare we? And it just, it was really, really not nice. So I was like, I was reading this going, oh my lands, I'm not coming. The party's canceled. So he punished his mom because he's mad at us about Trump. And it was just, you know, and how dare we support somebody who doesn't support the homosexuals who da 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 da. And I've never said a word to him about his chosen lifestyle. We've just had friendly conversation and talked about, you know, our history together. Long story short, he doesn't come. We don't speak again. I did respond to the email, and I said, I am sorry if you think I've ever said anything, but to my knowledge, I've never come against you, said any. I've just loved you right where you are, even with what you've chosen to do. I'm not going to say that I agree with your lifestyle, but I love you. And that's kind of where I left it. Well, this was two years ago, November. This Past December, I get a text. I hadn't heard from him since. I get a text. I am so sorry for what I said to you. I am so sorry that I reacted that way. I'm coming into town to see my mom. Would you meet us for lunch? So I'm like right there. I'm going, oh, snap. (laughs) (laughs) What's going to happen? What's going to come up? You know, I hate confrontation. I am so, I'm such a peaceful person. But I'm like, okay, God, I'll do it. I'll I'll walk into this. And God told me, the Holy Spirit said, do it. 
you show him love. And I want to show you how big love is. We went, we had the most pleasant lunch. Not a word was said other than another time he apologized to me. And he said, I was really in a bad place and I really responded incorrectly. And I could tell by, he's moved to another state now and gotten out of the relationship he was in. And I just looked at him, I said, I just love you. And I care about you and I just really want the best for you. So I want you to know I didn't respond back to him ugly. I could have, my flesh said, I'm going to chew him out. I'm going to tilt him. I'm going to preach Jesus to him. He knows Jesus. He's, a, he, you know, he's been born again in his life. He's raised in church. He knows. He's miserable. Hurting people hurt people. He's hurting. So just remember that love will cover. It will do the things. We're going to talk about it later. If we will forgive whatever. Amen. So work on restoring your broken relationships, but bottom line, do your part and try to be at peace. Be at peace with yourself because sometimes the peace won't happen on the other side, but be at peace with you. Sever, number three, sever or redefine any harmful relationships. Now this one can get sticky, and this one's going to hurt probably. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. I want you to just ask yourself, you know, you don't have to say it out loud, who are you spending most of your time with? And is that somebody that's going to add value to your life? If you're in a situation at work, you're married, and there's a temptation, you know, somebody that's really trying to tempt you at your workplace, you need to get away from there. Is it worth losing your marriage or getting into an ungodly relationship or keep a job? You're going to be married to that person more than likely for life. You should work toward that. Flee. The Bible would tell you to flee. Flee from things that are not good, that are not good for you, that are leading you down a wrong path. Um, Adultery is talked about in Proverbs 5, and I think we should all probably just remind ourselves what Proverbs 5 says about what's going to happen to somebody that walks into adultery. An evil man is held captive by his own sins. They are ropes that catch and hold him. He will die for lack of self-control. He will be lost because of his great foolishness. If we're in harmful relationships, if we're spending more time in the dark than we are in the light, and you, I know we hear the people talk about, well, how am I going to reach the unbelievers? How am I going to reach those that need Jesus? Well, the Bible doesn't tell you to go into dark places to accomplish that. God can bring them across your path. I promise you, you can run into them at Walmart or at Quick Trip Parking Lot because they probably just about backed into you and you're about to go off on them. So you got to go, oh, this is my chance. I can show love. I I can shine Jesus. So you don't have to walk in dark places to reach those who need to be reached. Don't fall in the trap of I'm going to win this person over, so I got to spend time with them. The Bible warns us against that. Don't do it. Do you want to be wise? What are you going to have to do? Hang out with the wise. Don't hang out with the fool. Don't hang out with the drunkard. It's like telling an alcoholic to go sit in the bar to win people to Christ who's been alcohol-free for 10 years. Who's going to win? More than likely. You've opened a door that you probably shouldn't have opened. And you've, got to, you've opened a trap that you shouldn't open. 
So be really careful. This works in being unequally yoked, dating, business relationships. That set up there that a guy without self-control, he will be lost because of his lack, because of his great foolishness. God's told you you're being foolish in some areas. And you may be overlooking it because you're in love. Because you're lonely, right? Redefine and sever any harmful relationships. Number four, initiate some meaningful relationships. Now, this goes right into our what we're getting ready to do here. What are we going to do this year? Small groups. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit. What happens? Why do we quit meeting together? It's a habit. How many of you missed a Sunday and the next Sunday rolls around and you go, oh, it won't hurt to miss one more. Two Sundays go by, oh, it won't hurt to miss another one. Three, four, you know it, six months has gone by, a year has gone by, and you've stopped fellowshipping with other believers. It's a habit. And I read somewhere it takes 30 days to break a habit of continually choosing not to do whatever that habit is. It's hard to get back in that habit. We have quit. We have had so many conversations like, what has happened? Because we've been in church all our life. I'm a preacher's kid. So I've seen it all. And I'm, we're like, what's happened to the church in, at gen, in general that people are not wanting to come? They're not wanting to be involved. They're not... And I think it's just, it's a habit that we've gotten into. We've chosen other things over serving the Lord or just, you know, one day a week and we can't commit to that. We were raised at the church. I used to beg for a bed when I was a kid at the church because I was there so much. Late into the night, early in the morning, because, you know, my dad was the pastor. My mom did the women's ministry. I lived at the church. And I really thought we should have had a room there. They had a bed and a kitchen and everything that we could because we were there so much. And my mom would always make the comment where I would say, where's dad? Always putting the church to bed. Oh, where's dad? Always went to wake up the church. So that told you how much my dad was at the church. But I look back now and I'm thankful for the heritage that I have because that commitment is so ingrained in me because I was there so much. And we were committed and we were taught to serve. I was teaching a kid's Sunday school when I was 13 years old. You know, it just, it started way when I was young. And I'm glad I had that foundation, that heritage. But we've got to get back to where we're committed and we are, we are making meaningful relationships that can help us and change us. Get in the habit of spending good time with people that can mentor you, people of faith. Um, I know we go, well, I don't really they seem to have it so much more together than I do, and I really don't want them to know how much I'm struggling. How do you think you're going to change that? Somebody's got to give you hope that you can make it. Somebody's got to give you hope and a way to, out, to walk out that plan that's before you. So get involved. When small groups come around, it's going to be the hardest for the men, I just am telling you. It, the men are going to probably struggle the most because it can get a little intimate and close. And so I want you to just really work at overriding your flesh, all of us, and get involved in a small group. Okay? Everybody can, can you try to help me do that? <clears throat> it'll, it'll change your life. Um, 
Sorry, I don't need them. I didn't think, I know if I was going to be able to see up here. So we've talked about the, um, the ones that we need to work on and some areas that we need to focus on. So let's talk about mastering the habit. And the first one is um, develop, develop my relationship with my church. You are members of God's own very own family, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. You know, the early church, this is what they did. They, they met together, they, and we're going to talk about it in one of the other uh, habits that we need to work on. And, you know, we are members, not just attenders. You belong. And if you don't feel like you belong, we need to work on fixing that. Sometimes there is a season of just attending. You know, we come in, we maybe came from another church, or we haven't gone in a while, we're hurting. Um, It's not quite right time for us to fit in. So we need to just sit and kind of be, you know, fed for a little bit, kind of see where our place is. But don't stay there. Don't just be a perpetual attender. Become a member. This isn't Pastor Cage Church or Pastor Mark's church. Or This is our church. This is God's church, number one, but it is our church. And we need to be members and not just attenders. Membership has its privileges. Does it not? Anybody a member of any group? Yeah. You know, membership is kind of like in we'll go back to marriage because the church is, you know, like marriage. You know, when you're dating... You attend. Your date come, you know, Mark, when we were dating, he'd come pick me up. We'd get in the car. We'd go to dinner, go to a movie maybe, go home. So we were attending time with each other. We were attending movies together. Well, when we got married, marriage has its privileges, right? You're a member now with each other. You have privileges that nobody else has with each other. You get to share the finances. You know, when we were dating, I didn't have Mark's checkbook. But when we got married, my name was on there. I got to write checks. I got to go get money, kind of out of the bank sometimes. It was kind of bad in the early days. He was kind of tight. But I got privileges when we chose to become one and be married. When you are in Christ and you choose to become a member of his church, you get privileges. Have ownership of that. Number two, develop my relationship with godly friends. All the believers met together, what does it say? Constantly and shared everything with each other. Okay, from that, it doesn't sound like to me they were just meeting for Sunday morning for an hour. Does it to you? No, I I think a little more was happening in Acts than... A Sunday morning service. Most of their time spent together, if you look, if you're, you know, a historian of the word, they met together in homes. They brought food. They shared their food with each other. They met each other's needs. And I don't think it was just, okay, it's Wednesday night. Let's have our, our small group. I think it was a constant thing. They were a community. And I don't mean weird like a cult. And honestly, back then, they didn't have anything else to do. They didn't have all the distractions that we have today to distract from that. But they constantly met together. And you can tell by what happened in Acts, things were going on. 
people were being ministered to. Lives were being changed. Healings were taking place. I mean, there were great things going on because they met together. They shared their testimony. They shared their needs with each other. Um, so the New Testament church is not really what we see today. This has kind of developed over the centuries here. And it was house to house. It was small groups. And that's what we're trying to develop, a sense of community when we're talking about that. It's not just a, to do a fad. Small groups go way back to Acts. It's, this is not a new thing. <clears throat> this is hard for sure, and it's an uphill battle for us to want to develop godly relationships and get together with people. But I want to ask you, you know, the downhill side of this is not doing it. And how's that working for you? You know, do you have meaningful relationships? Are you lonely? Do you feel encouraged? You know, if you're not, get together with people that are going to do that. There are a lot of people here that are more than willing to encourage you and to help you get to where you're going. Number three, develop a relationship with a team. Now, two are better than one because they have a more satisfying return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the other one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and does not have another to lift him up. Two are better than one, and you never do anything of significance alone. Can you agree with that? And if you think you are, that's, you know, you're just deceived. Because we work better in teams. We work better with numbers. We can accomplish more. Um, you don't really do anything even in your daily life alone. And it's kind of like having a car that's sitting out in a parking lot. What do you have to do? There are two of you involved, the car and you. You got to go get in it. You got to start it. You got to drive it down the road to get where you're going. And that's just a natural example. When you go into the store, if nobody was in that store working, how are you going to buy anything? There's not going to be anything in that store because nobody brought it. We don't do anything of significance alone. It takes all of us. Think just our daily lives, how many people we come in contact with that help us accomplish daily what we need to accomplish. Just like Darla's a physical therapist and Mark's mom spent a lot of time with physical therapists when she was in the hospital and broken her hip. You know, I could lay there and go, hip, move. You know, hip, rotate. She had to do her part, but she didn't know what to do until Darla would come in or the physical therapist would come in. And it was significant to her recovery. We are significant to the maturity, the recovery of everybody we come in contact with. Develop a relationship with a team. If you're coming and you're just being an attender here, I promise you, I don't care your physical condition, your spiritual condition, wherever you are, there is a place that you can serve. It may be emptying the trashes after church. It may be greeting at the door. And if you can't stand, we'll give you a chair. Find somewhere that you can you can hook up with this body of believers and serve and be a part and take ownership, like we talked earlier, of this and become a member. If you see a piece of paper on the ground, pick it up. Do you go through your house and not pick up trash when you see it on the floor? That's your home. 
this is our home. This is our spiritual home where we come and we gather with you know other believers to grow and mature, become a member. And lastly, develop my relationship with God. If you look at me wholeheartedly, you will find me. This is the key word, wholeheartedly. Are you all in with God? Can you sit here today and say, I'm all in. I am sold out. If they say to be there, I'm going to be there. If God tells me to go to Africa, I'm going. If God tells me to go on the street corner and preach, I'm going to do it. Are you all in with God? It's kind of like your favorite sports team. They're called fans, right? How many of you like football? Yeah, I saw some ladies at ladies night, Sunday night. It got a little crazy in there. We were kind of where they were showing the big playoff game. I don't know who was playing. I know it was football. (laughs) That's all I can tell you. And we got some diehard fans in here just saying there was a lot of screaming going on. Woke the baby up. It was crazy. So we have some fans in here. And uh, fans will wait in line to buy a ticket. Fans will not pay their electric bill to buy a ticket. Fans will walk a mile across the parking lot to get to those stands to watch that game on their walker. Uh, They'll go out in the freezing cold. That's why I don't like football. They'll go out in the 100-degree heat to watch their favorite sport. They'll cheer and tell their horse for their team. They'll pour everything they got into that thing that they're so crazy about. That team doesn't even know your name. They don't even know you're there. You're just paying their millions of dollar salaries, just saying. Are you a fan of God? He knows your name. He knows all the hairs on your head. He knows all the gifts that are in you, that you're using and that you're not using. He calls your name all the time. But yet sometimes we won't walk across the parking lot to come in the building at church. We won't get out in the rain or the cold because we really just want to stay home in our jammies to come to church. Are you a fan of God? Like you're a fan of that team? Don't wait until you're in crisis to be all in. You know, don't be, I just want to encourage you because I've done it. It's not a, a good situation to be in to wait until a crisis comes and they will We all are going to go through things. We're all going to see things and struggle with things. Don't wait till you're in the crisis. Say, oh, God, get on your knees and say, I'm all in. But thank you, Jesus. He still shows up. Thank you, Lord, that you're still faithful to us even when we wait. But the journey through that crisis can be a lot easier if you'll get all in right now. I want to encourage you. Everybody just bow your head. I want to encourage you to let 2019 be the year that you decide to go all in. You know, we may be small in numbers, but if every person sitting here would go all in, 
the things that we could accomplish to go all in financially, to go all in spiritually, to go all in being committed and serving, teaching our kids classes. We could impact this community and the world like you've never known.